Welcome to the Fed Heads, a weekly podcast from Grant Thornton Public Sector. Join the Fed Heads, Robert Shea and Francis Rose, each week to talk about the arcana of government management and the people who are working hard every day to improve it. Welcome to episode 28. I'm Francis Rose. And I'm Robert Shea. Uh, and we talked on the last episode of Fed Heads to Max Steyer of the Partnership for Public Service about the Service to America medals. Inspiring. Every year, and they keep doing it, and you, you see these stories, you read these stories, and you meet these people, and you go, it's hard to believe that there are more like them that will be honored the following year, and yet every year there's just more and more. You're like, gosh, I'd love to sit down and talk to one of those uh, finalists. As a matter of fact, I can help you with that. Oh, awesome. I knew we got the right guy. Right here is Ariel Gold, Data Program Manager of the Intelligent Transportation Systems Joint Program Office at the Department of Transportation, and she is a finalist for a a Service to America medal in the Management Excellence category. What do you think of that? We're like your groupies. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's pretty big time. I'm pretty excited to be here with the Fed heads. I mean, (laughs) the one and only or two and only. No. No, um, she's flirting. I no, I have, I, I have the <laughs> I advantage <laughs> of having already talked to her. She was a guest on Government Matters a little while ago. and She did your show first? Well, I don't think there's a pecking order. I think it's It was like the to, minor leagues. It was the awesome. warm-up. Well said. Wow. She's going to be great. Oh, dear. Well, that went south fast. <laughs> no, seriously, we're delighted that you're here, and, and I did enjoy talking to you. There was a... a thing though that i wanted to ask you about when you were on the tv show i didn't have a chance to okay and so now i have the chance to do it um the summary that the partnership put up says until you join dot the data collected by the intelligence uh intelligent transportation systems program was quite limited and made available months or years after a research project had been completed what were people using that data for at that time and what was the driver, what was the impetus for you to speed that up and then talk about how you've managed to do that? Sure. And, you know, I'm not going to assume everybody's seen uh, our last conversation. Oh, so, well, if they haven't, uh, then the, shame well, they, on they, them. They, sh- they should just pause right now, go back, watch that, and come back. But I, I just wanted to uh, give folks just a brief background on what my office does, Intelligent Transportation Systems Joint Program Office. So we're uh, an office in the U.S. Department of Transportation that funds and coordinates research to bring new technologies into the transportation system. So think about, you know, autonomous vehicles and connected technologies and smart cities and that kind of thing. Um, and, And so, you know, historically maybe you wouldn't you think of research as being off to the side and eventually it informs policy and then things go into operational practice well with the pace of change in technology these days you just can't have that kind of um, many year lab to market cycle um, so uh, you know back in the day um, it, it was just assumed that if you had data coming out of uh, a research project that we funded as a department that the the best you could hope for, and it was actually pretty revolutionary at the time, was that you would collect data and you would provide it to evaluators, and then maybe after the project, you know, years uh, later or months later after the project was launched, you would provide that data uh, to, to folks, and, and maybe it would inform a, a rulemaking process or a policy or, or prove that this technology has safety benefits that you know make it something that we should put out more broadly, um, and so that really was the default setting, um, and and. So so coming on board, I wanted to help the department set a new default. 
and say, you know what, if we're going to be in the business of, of testing out autonomous technologies and smart cities and these kinds of things, uh, the state of the practice is real-time data. Right. So if if we want to be evaluating these technologies, we should expect that data is coming in real time from uh, these multi-million dollar projects. Um, and and that was kind of the, the vision coming in the door. But to do that, we couldn't just get there right away. We needed the coalition, of the willing. We needed to have a proof point. Um, and we were able to identify a partner, a willing partner in the state of Wyoming. Um, which is heavy really traffic. Great. Trying yeah. to get the, through that heavy traffic problem. Yeah, the heavy traffic problem. But actually, it's really interesting. The um, I eighty corridor that runs uh, across uh, the state of Wyoming is one of the most heavily trafficked freight routes in the country. See, smarty. Yeah. <laughs> I guess you're Learned not as something. smart as you thought you were, are you? Well, we, we, they're trying to get some smarter trucks out there. Um, and, and so they actually, uh, their big problem is weather. There's really, really extreme weather um, in Wyoming. And so you would have, uh, you still have a lot of extreme weather blowovers of trucks. Uh, it's a huge safety issue. People die. Um, mm. it, it shuts down whole highway, the whole highway for, um, for long periods of time. And so they want to use connected technologies to... Uh, uh, alert drivers and, and get them off the road, that kind of thing. Um, so we worked with Wyoming. Um, they're testing out these technologies. And in January, um, we announced real-time data coming from this active project um, streaming to a secure system where our evaluators are looking at it in real time um, and the public can access the data in real time as well. Um, and so that's really been the, the proof point we need to now spread this as, as the new default practice. And that's the basis for your nomination for your award to the Service to America medals. Um, I think it's one of a few things and um, because the, the department as a funder of research we need to be good managers of the data that comes out of our projects. But that's only half of the story, right? So we also have a policy role. We have a way, uh, a role of enabling the sector, right? State and local government, uh, automakers, transit uh, providers to also be better managers of data for these new technologies, right? So that's the other side of the work. Um, so when I was on your show uh, previously, we talked about one example for that. So um, quit I'll talking about his show, please. Oh, oh, oh goodness! Well, I didn't know that there was this jealousy here. I didn't either. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just learning this too. Okay. Well, I hope you all can work it out. But, um, so, so autonomous vehicles. Um, there's lots of data that needs to be exchanged in order to safely integrate this technology. Um, and um, it's a very sensitive topic. Uh, a lot of folks guard their data. It's the new oil, whatever kind of metaphor you want. Um, but we need folks to talk about what the priorities are and to make mutually beneficial you know, exchanges of data happen. So um, in that space, um, I've helped pull together a common framework for approaching this issue, um, identifying priorities for data exchange, and getting companies and state and local government and others to, to exchange data. Um, so th in that space, um, a, a good example is work zone data. Uh, again, that's what that we talked about previously. Sorry. Um, it, where it's a great example. <laughs> and it was a terrific <laughs> conversation. Right? By These the way. are highway, uh, uh, parts of the highway where construction work is going. Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. So, you know, even as a human, 
I want to know where the work zones are, where people are working, um, because I have trouble navigating around it, right? So the autonomous vehicles are going to have even more trouble. Um, and we want them to know, regardless of where they are in the country, whether there's a work zone, uh, what the impacts are. Um, but that's, that's across hundreds, thousands of jurisdictions. What's the federal role? in going from no harmonized access to work zone data around the country to, to ubiquitous access to work zone data. So um, that's the kind of other half. One, how are we managing the data coming out of the stuff we fund directly? And two, how do we get the sector and everybody in this system to, to provide the data that's needed? How did you build that coalition of the willing that you talked about a few minutes ago in an environment where the worldview previously was we'll collect this data whenever we can and we'll make it available at some point in the future. How did you transition that to we're comfortable putting this stuff out in real time and we're comfortable with the public seeing it in real time and we're comfortable with sharing it with other organizations that are gonna then mash it up and do other things with it completely 180 degrees opposite of the way it had traditionally been managed? Well, it's a really great question. And uh, if I had a secret formula for how <laughs> to identify uh, your early adopters, I would uh, either share it or patent it. Right. Um, but, uh, it, you know, we, we always have to be focusing on the problems to be solved. Right. If somebody has a very specific, clear value proposition, they're more likely uh, to try something new or um, be willing to think about things in new ways. So um, in the case of uh, Wyoming and the connected vehicle world, uh, these folks are really motivated by improving safety. Uh, it's their mission to, to make uh, uh, the their uh, state uh, transportation system safer. And so we can make the case that providing this data um, faster means that they can get to the safety benefits and, and quantifying that much more quickly. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, the, you know, Wyoming has a history of making traveler information available uh, to the public. Um, so it wasn't like a huge leapfrog for them, right? So if we had gone to a state that had no open data kind of history, it would have probably been a bridge too far for them mm -hmm. to, to go right there. But, you know, it, it's kind of that, that the maturity model, finding folks that have that shared value proposition. Great insights into how you're bringing this to transportation and the mission there. What do you see government-wide at the federal level uh, to try and drive better availability, use, and um, impact of data sharing? Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting looking at the evolution of the open data movement or, or the public access movement. Um, and, and first of all, I think that by jumping straight to focusing on public access, we sometimes skip over the real value of just increasing access to data within even restricted access type environments. So a great example of that is in say like the health data space, what NIH and, and folks there are doing of saying, you know what, we've got petabytes of cancer research data and it's not worth like scrubbing that to make it available to the public. That doesn't advance our mission. What does advance our mission is to get that petabyte of research data available to the thousand researchers. Both of us are nodding at petabyte. Petabyte. I know what that means. Let's get to zettabytes. 
It's a lot of data. It's an enormous amount of data. I mean, talk to NASA, and they say uh, that's peanuts. But right. everybody's in different places, right? For for NIH, it's a lot. For us as a DOT, we don't currently really by default have that amount. But right, it's a lot of data. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be moving around stuff, right? So so in the health space, getting that petabyte. <laughs> of da- that really, really honking large, sensitive patient data, right? Available to a thousand researchers, researchers instead of three is revolutionary for their mission. So setting that as a goal, as opposed to public access, moves them forward. Um, and then the the other kind of thing besides, you know, focusing on 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 you know the population you need to provide access to, not just assuming it's the public, is prioritization. Um, you know, we want to know where all the data sets are. We want to have these default settings. But picking one and doubling down on it to really make that data set available for mission critical use um, can really help move an organization forward. And, and that's been the case for us as well. And, and probably any office or department could find a few anchor data sets to move them forward. In the time that we have left, I want to shift gears because we've talked a lot about what you've done professionally to get this recognition as a finalist for a uh, service to America medal. But I wonder, what does this mean to you and your team personally on an individual and a collective basis that an organization like the partnership says to you guys, among all of the people that have been chosen, you're among the five or six that are the best of the best, and we think that you have a good shot to be the 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 winner of this. Well, first, in not false humility, I, it's a I, there are so many folks who could get this, and it's really a, a matter of having um, right timing of, of folks um, recognizing some of the work that we're doing in the department. But but there are so many folks that could be recognized for this type of work, and um, the best part of this for us as a team, it validates the direction we're going. Right, because when you're out, you know, doing something that's the first for your department or your office. Um, it's it's hard, right? You, you've got a lot of headwinds, and there's uh, sometimes a resistance to be the first. That that's not really necessarily a, a virtue. Um, so this kind of recognition is helpful to validate the direction we're going. And on a practical level, really the best part has been meeting these other innovators in government. Because um, I, you know, the the cancer research data example. That's how I'm able to get the department to make our sensitive data available in a collaborative environment. Because we're not the first. It might mm-hmm. be the first for the department, but we're not the first in the government, right? And so being part of this cohort in the SAMIs has just been really uh, great for us to be able to find those other folks that are doing new things in government that we can come bring into what we're doing and really accelerate the direction we're going. Uh, it's just these stories, time after time after time, they're tremendous. Max uh, shared when we talked to him last uh, uh, his enthusiasm for this program but both of you also talked about the humility Mm -hmm. of the people being recognized and so you're sort of like playing to the caricature you fit right into that (laughs) congratulations we're really proud of you thanks for being on the show this could be the best show we've ever had it could be you're just trying to make it so that I say that this was better than going on his other show on government matters Uh, I am that transparent yes yes but you know what? That's why we get along so well. That's why That's we it works. Thank you very much, and congratulations, Ariel Gold, Transportation Department. Uh, 
Should I say thanks to you, or should I just... You, love you, you man. I, I love you, too, brother. See you the next time. All right, excellent. Thanks for listening to The Fed Heads, brought to you by Grant Thornton Public Sector. All of the resources talked about during the episode are available in the episode description. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us on Twitter at GT Public Sector to join the conversation. And don't forget to leave us a comment or review on iTunes or the Google Play Store. <laughs>